Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, it begins. The long march to freedom continues, but England now has a bit of a spring in its step after the football team last night beset the bogeyman of the game uh, and sent Germany crashing out of the Euros in an historic victory, which is actually the first time England has beaten Germany in a major tournament since that World Cup. In 1966, up and down the country, there were scenes of jubilation and partying through the night. Social distancing rules were thrown out the window. Masks were nowhere to be seen. Uh, And if you'd asked anyone, it looked to all intents and purposes that lockdown rules have been well and truly kicked into touch. Now, here's the question for you. Could Boris Johnson have just got lucky again? Will he ride through the tournament on a wave of popularity? After all, everyone loves a winner and he will no doubt claim it as his own. Even Sir Keir Starmer was trying to hop on the bandwagon as well. He said that he was in the stands at Euro 96. Well, let's hope that's not true, not untrue, that's Sir Keir, otherwise we could have a problem. But wait, there's also a cloud on the horizon. England fans are being told there won't be any tickets made available for them for the quarterfinals against Ukraine in Rome on Saturday. Well, why the hell not? Surely Boris should step in and tell UEFA they need to change that and change it now. Their officials are coming here every time they want to come to Wembley. They're changing the plugs at Wembley to European ones whenever they sit there. But now they're telling England fans they can't go to Italy. Surely something can be done because I'm sure there will already be hordes of England fans on their way to Italy on the off chance that they'll get a ticket. And don't tell me it's all illegal and impossible because people find ways. Are you telling me, you'll be telling me next, you know, nobody's taking any drugs in this country because it's not legal. 0344 499 Up first this morning, we've got John Rental from The Independent with a look ahead to the first Prime Minister's question since Matt Hancock resigned at the weekend. And the big debating point has moved back to schools as more and more officials seem to be calling for the vaccination of our children. I, for one, will not be doing that and neither will Tonya Buxton who joins me this morning later on as well. What will you say uh, when the needle brigade Start coming for your sons and your daughters. 0344 499 1000. Peter Cardwell is here as well with his take on PMQs. Georgie Frost will bring us more personal finance tips. And it's time to unveil the plank of the week. I wonder who that could be. Uh, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is the original, it is the best, it is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham.
on Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say once more I'm joined in the studio by Mr John Rental, who is, of course, Chief Political Commentator at The Independent. John, how nice to see you. Good morning, Mike. I'm getting used to this. Yeah, I know. It's good, isn't Coming it? Coming in in person is Coming great. Coming in in person is absolutely brilliant. And also watching all of the action last night, the, the crowds up and down the country. I mean, I was saying to Julie Hartley Brewer, I th- I've always believed that Boris Johnson wants lockdown to kind of be lifted automatically by everybody else rather than him yeah and that's what seems to be happening well that is that's boris johnson's approach isn't yeah. it um d- don't make a decision just j- just sit and wait just and wait and matt hancock will decide to resign right. himself yeah uh, and people will decide to to lift the lockdown which themselves. reminds me of the last time you were sitting here when we were we were talking on friday about matt hancock both of us agreed he would have to go yeah then he made a statement saying he wasn't going and then a day later he went he went yeah well it took a little time for for reality to percolate mm. And apparently there was a huge wave of anti-Hancock feeling coming from just not just Tory MPs, but Tory MPs constituents who apparently were emailing en masse yeah, saying well, this guy's got to go. Well, indeed. And, and Matt Hancock's own constituency. I mean, I suspect he's going to have difficulty um, there. I think they'll want to they'll want to deselect him. And, uh, and well, I wonder it. about that. What's the process for that? How, how quickly could that happen to him? Oh, quite quickly. If, I mean, if, they, if they, the could is, they recall him? If the feeling is, is is strong enough, um, you know, they'll have a they'll they'll have a meeting of the executive of the local association mm. and decide whether they want to keep him as their MP. Right, because I was reading this morning the latest on him. Because again, the lucky uh, uh, Boris Johnson aspect of all of this, people aren't really talking about. Matt. I mean, we're talking about Matt Hancock, but nobody else is. Well, um, the, some people are singing about him last night, Mike. <laughs> I, I hear some rude, is that right? some rude football songs well, about Matt Hancock. Uh, I mean, sexual... they are they are very quick on that. <laughs> Of thing, um, but you know, he's apparently told uh, friends or told people to tell other people in the media that he's beyond contrite, which is great news for everybody, really. Well, isn't yeah, it? No, well, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's very upset because he's ruined um, his his entire career, um, two marriages, yeah. um, and uh, and he's pretty much ruined his entire life because because I, I was saying this when, when we when we do. Well, he's the with the woman later. he loves. Well, he says he is, but I mean, you know, she fell in love with the Secretary of State for Health, who was a very powerful man. Uh, and she was man- then married to a millionaire. She's now not married to a millionaire, and he's no longer Secretary of State for Health. So when she wakes up, the morning works that out. Uh, she may scarper. Well, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, there is a, there is a, a rather sad human angle to it. There is a very sad angle to it, but I mean, unfortunately, he brought it on himself. So we haven't yeah. really got anybody else to blame for that. What do you make of the fallout from it, though? Now, because there are people talking about you know security breaches and will that go anywhere? Then there's the email inquiry. Well, all this stuff on. about using private emails. I mean, that is that that's Labour's um, rather cynical attempt to to try and make some capital out of it, keep keep the story going. Yeah. But I mean, the, the problem the problem with with any attempt like that is always the answer always is well he's gone what do you want yeah exactly what else can you do other than try and force him out as an MP but I mean it's not as if the Labour Party would win his constituency anyway <laughs> no, 23,000 majority or something even, I mean, even the Tories can't lose that I don't think, <laughs> under the current circumstances but let's talk a bit about Sajid Javid he's now in the big yeah. story at the moment today and he's going to dominate I think for for some time is what to do in schools because yeah. we've now had this ridiculous wave of, of, of kids being sent home Something like 375,000, 379,000 of whom uh, haven't got anything wrong with them. No, I know. And who have just been told, go home. I mean, it's it's, it's extraordinary that uh, the the guidance hasn't caught up with with that situation Mm. and that so many children are are, are at home. 
Um, I, I would have thought Gavin. I mean, again, Gavin Williamson has been caught napping. He's mm. behind. He's behind the curve. He should have should have done something about this ages ago. I mean, the obvious solution, um, I, I, which is what I thought they were doing, is is getting tests to uh, to, to. Well, they were trying to do that, but of course, people worked out. Uh, even as we spoke, I think last week, it was the the guy who led the Oxford vaccination team who said testing kids is pointless, particularly if they're testing themselves at home, which is what they were doing. Yeah, because mostly the tests are pretty useless. But they're particularly useless when people do it themselves. Well, it's not completely pointless. I mean, surely it's, well, that's better, what he it's, better, than, it's better than nothing. Professor Pollard. No, well, he said, well, no, it's a waste of time because what it's doing is, is kind of maintaining this fear right. and maintaining the, 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 the acceptance that there's a problem with infections in schools, which there really isn't because most of the people who are infected are actually fine. Yeah, well, that, that is also true. I mean, you, you know. could just decide just to forget the whole thing. Uh, and to I let, think so. And to, and to Except for the teaching unions, of course, who right. won't let anybody do that. Yeah, but I mean, I think if if you want a fig leaf for that retreat, you mm. can talk about testing and yeah. uh, and maybe get the, you know maybe reintroduce school nurses or whatever they. But there's they, they certainly something have. strange going on. I can say that because I've got kids at school and there's been a lot more sort of activity. For example, from the school, they've been writing letters to parents saying, you know, there's been a huge drop in numbers of tests being put through the system. So a lot of parents are obviously not doing it anymore. Yeah. And it's just kind of wearing itself out, really. But at the, by the same token, more children in, in the past week have been sent home. Yeah. But I mean, it was interesting that uh, Sajid Javid's first um, contribution to the debate was very much on the side of, um, you know, we're going to have to learn to live with it and, and implying mm. that you know, there's no point in, in, in taking any of these measures. You might as well just let uh, let the infection uh, burn itself out. Right. Well, there are schools of thought as well, aren't there, that, that actually, from, from the point of view of the children, immunity is no bad thing. Well, um, exactly. And for them to get what is not really going to be terribly harmful... Uh, that's probably them. okay. Yeah, but I mean, the problem, the, the problem obviously, is that people are going to say, well, there are still some uh, older people who are going to. But they've all been uh, vaccinated, surely. And one of the things. Well, not that, all of them, but. Well, if they and, haven't and the been vaccines vaccinated. don't work 100%, so, you know, there's always going yeah. to be a minority who are going to complain. No, well, there are going to be a minority, but, you know, we live in a majority democracy, do we yeah. not? So, I mean, I'm sorry if you complained that we moved out of Europe and we, uh, you know, we left the European Union, but you can't just sit around complaining that we should still be in it and therefore you're never <laughs> going to do anything again for the rest of time. You yeah. know, no, life moves that's, on. That's not me, Mike. No, I'm not um, suggesting it is, but my point no, is... Yeah, my... you're absolutely right. And Sajid Javid, I think, has made it very clear that the, 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 the government is moving towards that approach, which, yeah. is, which is that you just let, uh, let the infection uh, run. Mm. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if children get it particularly. No. Um, or, or at least well, it, it, may, young... it may matter, but the, you, know, you can't keep the country shut down. No. Uh, for for what is in effect a, a a minor illness, and also in the end, um, you know, it's very very unlikely that you're going to get it more than once. You know, we know that, and the more people therefore that do get it, yeah. the less likely it is well, to be able to continue to run. Absolutely, presumably. and that's an alternative to vaccinating children, which I, I have your um, hesitation about. I mean, yeah. you know, there is a real problem there with informed consent. I mm. mean, you know, these. You, you know, you say the parents can decide on the children's behalf, but I mean that's that's not fair. It's a very dangerous and, area, isn't it? And and it's not necessary in in in, in my view. I mean, as yeah. long as you've got as long as you've got a reasonable coverage of adults, and that means something like ninety percent, right? 
then the, then the disease should be And at the control. beginning of all of this, I don't seem, I seem to remember there was no suggestion that anyone sort of under the age of 30 was going to need it, but now they're no. talking about giving <clears> it to people over the age of 12. Well, but the problem is that, that you've had new variants come along that are more infectious and therefore the, 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 the threshold for herd immunity goes up. So instead of having well, that's what they say. two-thirds... But the other thing that we know is that, the, uh, and I was told this by, by a, a virologist the other day, if there's a larger number of infections and a smaller number of deaths, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad thing. So they shouldn't be running away from that. They should be kind of heralding it and saying, well, the good news is a lot of the people who are going to hospital are younger, but they're getting better quicker and they're coming back out that's and they're right. not dying. Yeah. And so that's, therefore, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's the gist of what uh, Sajid Javid was saying. And, um, you know, he's going to get it in the neck from um from from people who want who want to keep us locked down and restricted mm. uh, i mean that's the other question i suppose i should ask you is how important is matt hancock's absence now from these meetings because we're told he was quite a full-on kind of you know lockdown main maniac for want of a better <laughs> word uh, apart from for himself of course where he's quite happy to wander about and do whatever he wanted but but he was very much a voice of caution wasn't he yeah, I think so, and I think that does shift the shift the balance the balance of power. But I mean, what really shifts shift the balance, of course, is 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 the vaccines and the fact that they work. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you could say, you know, Sajid Javid's um, sound, sounding very different. His tone is very different. He's actually not saying anything different from what Matt, Matt Hancock was saying, mm. but he's saying it in a different order. Yes. Um, and well, he's it, a lot less smug for a start, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> you know. Well, and also he started yesterday by saying, "My task." Is, is to get the economy and our, mm. and our culture back to normal. And then he added in a sort of, uh, a sort of sotto voce, he said, uh, well, and of course, uh, look after people's health. Yes. You know, which is quite right. a remarkable order of, of, of well, priorities are, well, for a health Well, I mean, I, I think that's good, though, because yeah. people do say he has more of an eye on business. He's, you know, he's been in the banking sector for a long time. You know, he's a guy that understands business perhaps better than Matt Hancock. So, yeah. you know, um, let's hope that, that, that things proceed as they do. But I also, going back to the football, wonder how much of the sort of feel-good factor will will spur Boris Johnson. You know, he loves his sort of puffing his chest out <laughs> and, you know, he's waving his flags and, and watch, you know, pictures of him watching the football and all this kind of thing. Well, just as, just as the, the Tory ratings in the opinion polls are starting mm. to sort of gently subside like a like deflating souffle yeah. um, from, the, from the sort of vaccine uh, effect... Uh, here, here comes the the feel good yeah. football. Because you effect. can't. I mean, you really can't underestimate it. I mean, watching last well, night some of the fans' reactions, there were people in tears. I mean, they, were, they were, I mean, they obviously they're very emotional about the whole thing, beating Germany. I mean, it's there's an awful lot of oh, you yeah, know signals going on here. You know. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's also to come over a bit Southgate. There is quite a long way to go yet. I yes, mean, there we're is. Only, we're, only, we're only in the quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah, but of course that and, doesn't matter because I mean we were already football was already coming home before <laughs> the Germany game. You well, know, we're already winning it uh, after the first game yes but i mean the question is if england get knocked out um you know how much of an effect would will there be i mean it's true that sport sport big national sporting events can have some effect on yeah. politics i mean people blame the the, the labor losing the 1970 election on the fact that we got knocked out mm. uh, in the quarterfinals by germany in, in, in mexico. mexico yes i remember that well. uh, four days before the general election yeah. I mean, actually uh, you know most academic research suggests that it was the economic figures that were published yes. the next day that were much more significant and being, but, as, being as it's your area of expertise you know the blair victory in 97 
came yeah. after the really good feel good sort of, of, of Euro '96. Even yeah, but though Blair wasn't even wasn't even prime minister then. No, he I know. But what Alistair I'm... Campbell managed to managed to get get get. To, no, but uh, I think they sort of, of harnessed that. that that feeling that, yeah. that England was suddenly a, a you know a player from because, opposition, which yeah. is what Keir Starmer's trying to do with his. Sort yeah, of but he's South... failing miserably. I mean, he put out a tweet yesterday, um, which was all about <laughs> yeah. supporting England. He had the ridiculous emojis on it. I don't know if you saw. He I had a, an emoji of a watch and an emoji of eyes looking at the watch. And he said, it's getting near five o'clock. And you're thinking, and he's going, you know, football's coming, hashtag football's <laughs> coming home. And I just went, well, first of all, those are the wrong emojis to use for football. Why don't you use a football? Um, secondly, it wasn't actually that close to five o'clock. It was only about <laughs> ten past two. Well, so he's he getting excited, wasn't he? Yeah, but, you can't, I mean, but Keir Starmer getting excited uh, is like watching sort of, you know, um, a man with one leg losing <laughs> a three-legged race. You know, it was hopeless. I thought, I thought his... His analysis this morning of, uh, of of the tactics of the game was uh, classic classic Starmer classic as well about, about how we uh, how we were sort of uh, came came out fighting at the start then tried to control the middle of the game and then uh, let it rip in the uh, in, in yeah, the fi- that, final kid. phase that was uh, that yeah. was top top quality uh, football stick commentary to, stick there. to the day job but of course <laughs> tragically for him as Piers Morgan pointed out when he did the life stories that he actually plays quite a lot of football yes he knows, and he knows he's not about a, it he's, he's not a bad footballer but he, he just comes across as somebody who's jumped on a bandwagon even though he probably hasn't yeah no well that's that's right I mean and you're quite right Boris Johnson who can't who can't play football doesn't even no. know the rules thinks no. it's, thinks it's a version of rugby probably couldn't name um, anyone more than about three in the England team I shouldn't think either. well yeah I think he can name I mean that picture of him and he can Harry, name Harry Kane and, uh, and Raheem Harry Sterling. Kane and Gareth Southgate Raheem Sterling probably yeah a quick look at the papers um, but, you know <laughs> yeah. car- carrying him watching the football yeah. first of all in an office and then later outside yeah well where are they watching it in Which Downing place? Street in, that was it that was in number ten yeah no I know. But there was two different screens. Yeah, that was because he was doing his work at the same time, and oh, he was I having see, a, he, was a, he was having an LGBT reception ah. uh, in in the Downing Street uh, in the Downing Street Garden. But they'd had the TV set up. I yeah. thought that. I mean, the, the, the extraordinary thing about Boris Johnson is he's not actually very interested in football, no, and yet he still manages to come across as yeah. authentic. No, he does. That's my point, and and this will boost him even further. Yeah. Um, and this is why I'm going to get your. And I know you, you're probably going to say he can't do this, but surely he should be. Um, even if it doesn't work, you should take a leaf out of Nicholas Sturgeon book ask for something you know you can't get and then complain about it uh, UEFA should be giving some tickets to England fans regardless yep. of what the travel restrictions are they should be offering an opportunity for England fans to go to Rome chance of a lifetime to watch England play in the, in the, in the quarterfinals of the Euros I'm yep. sure there's a way of doing it well, there's certainly a way of asking for it. No, and, certainly and as a way you of say, asking you can for take, it. You can take credit for having pushed for it on yeah. behalf of the fans, even if you don't actually get it. So I'm going to say to Boris Johnson right here, right now, that's what you should be doing, Boris, and that's where you should be going. What do you think Sir Keir's going to get up to to PMQs? Because last week's was dire. I mean, it was a very serious subject and it was a very heartfelt subject, I'm sure, from his perspective. It was yeah. all about, you know, sexual violence against women and rape and, and, and that rape, kind of thing. Yeah. But it wasn't, the, for me, the right place to do it. And it didn't appear to kind of cut through it with the public either. No, because, I mean, the problem with doing something serious like that is you've got to have the answer. Mm. Uh, and you've got to ex- explain what the answer is and why the government isn't doing it. Mm. Uh, and he didn't It didn't have any of that. It was all just, you know, this This is terrible, isn't right. it? And, and um, Boris saying to him, well, you kept voting against what we wanted to do, so that's why we haven't changed it. Yeah, so it didn't, it, it didn't work. I mean, I suspect you know, Keir Starmer, you know, he'll be serious again. He'll probably go on, on schools. But then Labour, Labour have got a real problem but there. But Labour because, have to support the, the, the unions, don't they? Well, actually, to be fair to Keir Starmer, he has actually stood up to the unions. On, mm. on on school, he was he was pressing for schools to open, 
last year at various points during the during the lockdown. Mm. Uh, and I think he's got to he's got to press for for children to be sent back into school and and not and not sent home every time there's right. uh, there's a positive. And he test. can't really be seen, I don't think, to be pushing for vaccines for children, can he? Yeah, no, I don't. I think I think if he's got any sense at all, he'll steer clear of that. Right. And the other subject, I suppose, we should have a quick mention of this morning in the papers: suggestions that the idea of vaccine passports isn't going to fly. And when we do reopen, if it all does reopen on the 19th of July, yeah. it will not be a case that you will need to show that you've been vaccinated to go to a, a concert or Absolutely. a game of football Absolutely. or anything like that. Almost all my political predictions are wrong, as you know, Mike. But, but that, <laughs> is one, on that, is one, that is one that I wrote. I've been writing consistently. These vaccine passports are never going to work. Yeah. There's, no, there's never actually going to be enough of a need for them no. for, for, for a well, long time. You know, I was thinking this yesterday because I was in this building until about half past four, quarter to five. And I was, as I was walking out, there's a pub just across the way there by London Bridge Station and there were people just queuing up to get in because obviously before they could get in, presumably they had to either prove that they had a reservation or they had to do, you know, so it's, it's not conducive to running a business no, to have people no. en masse doing that because they'll be queuing up longer than they're in there. Well, absolutely. And in absolutely. fact, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said he just wanted to go to a pub the other day for a quick drink for sort of half an hour before something else was happening. And it took about 20 minutes from the point of trying to get in to actually sitting down to actually getting a drink. Yeah. And so that's I mean, why people all, aren't making any money. Yeah. I mean, all, all, all that is, is completely pointless and won't be, won't be needed for, for more than a few weeks anyway. No. So, um, you know, after, after July the 19th, then it can all go by the board. But you've still got the slight problem of what to do for international uh, travel yes. because you want some form of evidence that you can show to other and other I think countries. for a lot of people they would accept that more easily than they would accept. Well, I think it people would for yeah. domestic purposes, you know. Yeah, I so. mean people people might even be prepared to get the get the app on their phone if that's the only way they can yeah. they can travel abroad. No, exactly right. John Rental, thank you very much indeed. Chief Political Commentator at the Independent, kind enough to come in and see us because we can get people in the office now, into the studio, uh, and into the makeup department as well. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online on DAB and on your smart speaker the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio welcome back to the independent republic of mike graham right here on talk radio there is only one story in town ladies and gentlemen 55 years of hurt never stopped rahiming uh, is the front page of the sun uh, the game in the times has got redemption uh, gareth southgate actually looking uh, quite animated for a change uh, people are now starting to go Maybe he is quite clever after all. Maybe he is doing the right thing. Maybe he does know what he's doing. Even the Guardian have got football on the front page. I can't remember the last time they did that. Like emerging from a dream into a strange new light is what they say. Uh, we'll be talking to Martin Ziegler, chief sports writer for the Times, in a moment. First of all, let's have a listen to the moment that Harry Kane scored England's second goal and killed off uh, the Germany game once and for all. Shaw's got it. Shaw from left back finds himself as a centre forward for a moment. Slips it to his left. Grealish, Kane, 2 0 England. And with five minutes to go, England have a two goal lead. And in a tournament that is absolutely wide open, England can smell the finish line and a place in the quarterfinals. And that was all, of course, courtesy of our sister station, Talk Sport, who are carrying all of the games live. Uh, and you can hear them uh, all, of course, at the weekend. England playing uh, over in Rome on Saturday in the quarterfinals against Ukraine. At the moment, no England fans are allowed to buy any tickets from here. You have to already be living in Italy, which I think is an absolute disgrace. Let's talk to Martin Ziegler, Chief Sports Writer for The Times. Martin, very good morning to you. Yeah, morning. How's the head, Martin? Yeah, well, um, you know, I took it fairly easily as I had to work <laughs> after the match. So <laughs> yes, I know. But what a game! I mean, uh, I mean, I must admit, 
I'm always slightly dubious about England when they play. And in the first half, it looked as if it was going to be the same old, same old. But then it suddenly took off when Greenish came on in the second half. And suddenly it looked as though actually they could win the game. And certainly when, when Muller missed that, what looked like to us an open opportunity for him, uh, I thought this might be happening. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it was a really, really well planned and well executed performance by England because they they really sort of dampened down Germany, restricted them to very, very few chances, and and actually, I think England should have already have been ahead. You know, Harry Maguire had had a, had a clear yes. header that he uh, unbelievable. Really, he didn't get out on target. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, apart from that, he had an excellent game. But I mean, <clears throat> I think he would certainly feel he, he should have he should have done much better with that. And just generally, it all worked out. Saka was was really, really good. Sort of um, kept the Germany at bay. And then when Grealish came on towards the end, I think that was that was the moment where you know, tired legs and the Germany defence. That that was probably the right time to introduce him. I actually don't think he should have started. Yes. I think it was the no. Right I tend to, I tend to agree with you, and I, I, this is what I'm saying. I'm beginning to wonder if if I've been a bit wrong about Gareth Southgate because I've always thought of him as a bit wooden, a bit kind of cautious, and a bit too um, uh, uninventive, really. But but if it is in fact the case, as it looks like, he's bringing Grealish on towards the end of games because he can change the way everything happens. That's actually rather clever. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends. You know, do you want to watch England? You know, all singing, all dancing, playing beautiful football, Manchester City style, um, and yes, that would be nice. But I think you have to accept that when you're coming up against the best teams in the world in international football, <clears throat> if you try and do that, you may end up losing. Yes. And, so I think if you want to win, this is probably the best way to go about it. No, indeed. I mean, we had um, Sam Allardyce on yesterday and he said basically, you know, people complain about defensive um, setups and defensive teams and, and games that seem to be set up to draw rather than to win. But he says in the end, whoever wins the Euros will have a very good defensive record and England have not yet let in a goal. That's incredible. I mean, <clears throat> I think only one other only one other team in the history of the European Championships has has had four games without conceding a goal um it's remarkable mm. i mean even italy who are really you know notoriously miserly that they've conceded one so um although they, this, italy, this, it, this italian team seems remarkably expansive for, for italy doesn't it yeah exactly it's quite um, entertaining <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if we see italy england final actually mm. which would, i think would be Really, really interesting. Which would be extraordinary, yeah. I mean, certainly England's pathway now is is not the most difficult that it could be. Although I'm not by any means saying Ukraine are a pushover because they're obviously not. But they'll be pretty tired, I would think, after that game last night, won't they? Yeah, I, I think it would be a disappointment. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously a disappointment. But actually, I think it would be an underperformance for England not to reach the final now. Really? Because okay. they're against teams ranked considerably below them. I know rankings don't mean everything, but in terms of you know the the, the, the quality of players available to them and the depth of the squads, yeah. you'd have to say England was stronger. And what I quite like about this England team is that unlike the sort of golden generation that never really got very far. Um, there's, there's, doesn't, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it would be wrong to say there's not many egos, but there's not many sort of superstar types in there. Whereas with Beckham and Lampard and all of that and Gerard, you always felt that there was a bit too much going on. Yeah, they, you're right. I think you know the, the, you know if you think back to World Cup 2006, it was packed full of people who were sort of front page news, mm. weren't they? With the Wags, yes. and Beckham, Rooney, Lampard. I mean, it, they were sort of. 
But whereas this group of players is, is far less in in that sort of profile. Mm. I mean, yes, Raheem Sterling, he, he is obviously a very well-known figure and how brilliantly he's done to answer his critics. Well, he's scored in every game, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he, Which is he really, pretty remarkable, really. Couldn't have done more. Um, and he's definitely been, a, you know, Harry Kane has struggled so much. I mean, if it hadn't been for Sterling, I think we would have had very little firepower mm. at all. Yes, exactly right. So, I mean, uh, is it right now that, uh, that, that we should be... Uh, you know, singing football's coming home. I mean, you could see the relief in people's faces last night. There were people sobbing, crying. I mean, you know, it was a very emotional night for a lot of people. I think partly due to the fact that they've all been locked up for a, a year and a half. Yeah, there's a sort of cathartic explosion. It was, yeah. It's, um, I just, yes, I think, and also it's obviously the history with, with, with England v Germany going back and so many disappointments. Um, the fact that this is being played at, played at Wembley, effectively, apart from the, the match in Rome, um, all these things I think combining to make people feel that you know th this really could be the moment. And and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that winning the final is going to be is going to be the toughest mm. of, of the of the, the whole tournament. And you might say that's obvious, but um, I think there's a really ter terrific chance to get there. Absolutely right. And does Gareth Southgate still have sort of things in the locker that we haven't seen yet, do you think? Well, there's a, yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's some of the players like Jaden Sancho, for example. Mm. I mean, people in Germany are just amazed that he's hardly had a minute on the pitch right. because they just think, you know, German experts just think he's amazing, mm. um, terrific player. And yet he's, you know, England are so strong, he can't even get on. So he's definitely somebody who, who, could be brought on to change things differently. Mm. Um, but I th I'm pretty sure Southgate's going to, you know, he's got his plan, he's going to stick to it, isn't he? So do you expect the similar team to start against Italy, against, uh, sorry, against Ukraine in Rome then? It'd be interesting to see if he sticks at three at the back or if, or if he tries to be a bit more attacking like, um, like he was against the Czech Republic and Croatia and actually has four, four at the back and, and then you have an extra attacker so that could be Grealish or it could be Mason Mount now he's back available after isolating mm. um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if it shifts back to that actually against Ukraine because yeah. Ukraine are a less attack although they played some decent stuff last night they're a bit of a less attacking force than Germany no quite and as far as the fans go it seems incredibly unfair and I know that it's not necessarily down to um, um, anything other than COVID travel restrictions but for them not to have any tickets to sell to England fans at all apart from if they already live in Italy um, it seems remarkably unfair I mean I've been uh, sort of suggesting that Boris should try and bend UEFA's arm slightly given that we've now got loads of UEFA officials coming to Britain to see the games could they not create some kind of bubble so that some England fans could go it's very much it's an Italian government issue isn't it um and the you know the, the, there was a sort of bargaining chip between UEFA and, and, the, and the British government. You know, the, obviously, the, the British wanted the final, yeah. didn't they? Uh, the semi. Well, I mean, they final. could always make the same offer to Italy as they made to the UK, which is if you don't, uh, you know, do this, we'll move the we'll move the game and say to say to the to, to Italy. Well, if you don't give us some tickets to England, uh, we'll move the game to Wembley. I think they would probably say, "See you later, then." They tell him. <laughs> well, they might, they might well do, yeah. But you know, it's it just it just seems you know the one chance that England have got to win a major tournament, and in the quarter final, nobody's going to be able to watch it. Yeah, no, obviously, it's, it, yeah, it's 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 the you know the curse of our times, isn't it? I mean, 
I don't think Ukraine would be too happy in moving it. In fact, I think they would block that because obviously yes, very, very, very possibly, started. very possibly. Yeah. And where would um, where if, if if England do win, is is the semi final back at Wembley? Yeah, both semi finals are back at Wembley, right? Uh, okay. And and the final as well. So you they will be playing all of their matches apart from this quarter final um, in front of a home crowd. Mm. So that, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. It, I, you could have a situation, I guess, where lots of, say, expats living in on the Malaga can fly across to Italy because there's no restrictions on them getting there. Right. Uh, whether they can get hold of the tickets is, is obviously another another matter. Oh, I'm sure they can find a way. There always is a way of doing these things, isn't there? Well, listen, it's been great uh, talking to you, Martin. Thank you very much indeed. Martin Ziegler, Chief uh, Sports Writer at The Times. Um, and Ukraine is the next hurdle, of course. But if England can get past Ukraine uh, on Saturday in Rome, which is live on TalkSport, of course, there's every chance, if they're then playing the semi-final at Wembley, that they could get to the final. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. But... The question I've got is why are the fans being so badly treated? Because UEFA, do you remember when they said it's all about the fans? <laughs> yeah, that was when uh, they were about to lose a load of money to the Super League. Then it was all about the fans. Now it's not all about the fans. I think that's a disgrace. I think Boris should do something about it. I think you should do it right now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. We've got much to do, and we've got plenty of time still to do it in. It is Prime Minister's Questions coming up uh, at 12 o'clock, of course, midday. Uh, Peter Cardwell will be here, former Cabinet Advisor, political commentator as well. We'll also be talking to Chad Thomas, uh, who's an England superfan, uh, because my belief is very firmly that if England are playing in Rome on Saturday against Ukraine, England fans should be allowed to go. You shouldn't have to live in Europe in order to go because that is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. We ought to have an allocation of tickets for England fans. Boris Johnson should see to it. He should have a word with UEFA and get it organised. I think that would be the right thing to do. Right now, let's talk to Angela Levin, our favourite royal biographer, because, of course, uh, we've got Harry 
in town. Uh, well, when I say in town, I presume he's at Frogmore Cottage. But there's some suggestion that there may be a bit of a rapprochement going on between him uh, and his brother William, who, of course, was at the game uh, last night with Prince George um, and uh, Mrs Cambridge as well. Angela, very good morning to you. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, we have much to talk about, uh, you and I, because um, yeah. you wrote a very good piece the other day about the difference between William and Harry's kind of um, attitude to family, if you like. Tell us a little bit about, about sort of William's other mother, if you like. Yes. Well, I, I believe that Carol Middleton, who is uh, Catherine, his wife's mother, has been um, incredibly helpful to him. Mm. She obviously had a way would make him feel very, very comfortable and part of the family. He even said so in his engagement interview, um, saying that uh, how kind they've been and that he feels very much uh, very close to them. So I thought that was very unusual and so um, proved how important it was. And I think if you come from a very dysfunctional family and his parents for a lot of the time before they split up, couldn't stay in the same room together. They hated each other so much. And so um, he he didn't have an idea of what a normal, relaxed, happy family was like. But I think he found that in the Middleton family, um, he would sit and watch television with them while having supper on his lap. He would um, go on holiday with them and feel very relaxed. I think it must have been very, very difficult at first for him to accept it because um, senior royals aren't like the rest of us. Uh, they have to have people um, coming with them all the time to protect them, examining mm. wherever they go in case there's bombs or something nasty under the table. And here he could feel relaxed and that people weren't liking him just because of his position, but of course of who he was. And I think through Carol Middleton and of course Catherine, he learned how normal people are. And we can see the result very openly that he is demonstrative in public with his children. And mm. um, we saw that the match last night, he had his arm round George and he was talking and laughing to him and very much um, bringing him into the the atmosphere. Yes. And it must have been a bit nerve wracking for little George, but with his dad there who knows everything and, you know, going up and down. Yeah, no, they looked, like a, 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 they looked like a sort of regular family, didn't they? They looked like a regular family. And I think that is very much due to um, Prince William's courage and determination to find another way of living and to break the dysfunctional way that he'd been brought mm. up. Um, uh, Catherine, who is very stable and comes from this uh, normal, happy family, close family, who he can trust, that's also very, very important, mm. and who support him, equally important. Yes. Um, and I think it's really made him, he did say um, that he wanted what happened with his mother, losing her at such a young age, that um, he wanted it to make him not break him. And if you think that Princess Diana actually put the mother-child experience upside down, she leant terribly heavily on him. She would cry with him. She would talk about her lovers to him. She even discussed her um, divorce mm. uh, um, statement with him. And it's too much for a young boy's shoulders. And he felt he couldn't do enough for her. 
And of course he did because he was still very young, but this has given him a stability and a warmth and they have a lot of fun together. You can see it. Yes. Children can't act when they're with their parents. No. And you can see that these children are used to playing, rolling around and having a lot of fun with him. And they're also extremely well-mannered, which is very important. He's a very handsome young man as well, isn't he, George? He looks gorgeous. He's, and the, yeah. he's for probably his first suit with the tie very much like his father. He <laughs> must have felt super grown up. Yeah, absolutely right. I was very similarly dressed by my mother when I was that age. She used to always buy me clothes at Harrods, even though she couldn't really afford it. So it was great. But let's talk about Harry, because uh, the word on the street now is that they're going to be together tomorrow um, at the unveiling of this uh, this statue yeah. um, in London. He's been yeah. here, I guess, since I think last Friday, I think, um, presumably staying at, at Frogmore. Has to do five days. Yeah, Frogmore Cottage in Windsor. It's not so bad with self-isolating, presumably, when you've got um, all the sort of hot and cold running uh, things that they've got at Frogmore Cottage. But um, <laughs> uh, do you believe the story that there's been some kind of rapprochement between them, that somehow uh, they have made peace? Because it will have been weird for him, again, to be away from Megan for this period of time. Yes, I, I don't believe it, I'm afraid. I think it's a bit of... PR and nothing wrong with that really. Mm. Um, I think the wound uh, for William is very deep because he's also feel for his father and for his wife. And I think it's just a case, I think they're worried, his PR people who get it wrong by slamming us with mm. all this material day in, day out. They get it wrong What's how we accept these things. And they've worried that Prince, um, uh, Prince Harry's popularity is zooming down and they want to boost him. So they come up with this, which I don't believe, actually, um, because he doesn't want to compromise. You can see that. Mm. Harry is so determined. My belief is that he's decided, with Meghan's help, that he's not going to be number two. Now mm. he's left the royal family. He's going to be more important than William. And he, when he was talking about... Um, just the day before yesterday, gave, gave a speech about Diana. Uh, he, he implied that he was the one who really knows what she's like because he's got a lot of her inside him. Oh, yeah. um, he said before that Meghan would have been her closest friend and she would jump up and down with joy to meet her. And um, he's following his, the path of Dia Diana, what he assumed she would have wanted and all this, um, I think, is a way of now making William the person who's speaking second. Right. Because this was really a speech that you would do as, as you unveiled. Mm. And I think it was a one-upmanship recommended by the PR company to go first. Yes. Because he's I mean, he might, as well, he, might as well have come out and, he might as well have come out and said, I was her favourite son. You know, and only I can speak for her. And uh, that other bloke, William, he just speaks for his father, Charles, who I don't get along with. Yes. I mean, that's I basically that's the message, isn't it? I think that is the message, actually. And it's not true because Diana loved them both. Of they course. Were, you, know, you can have two children with different characteristics and, and you love them both. Mm. Um, and, and I think Diana was very good like that. She never wanted Harry to be the second one. Um, but he was. You can't do anything about that no. if your brother's going to be king you're the second one 
Uh, but I think there's so much resentment there. And the speech the other day was very much Megan speech, very much Californian mm. speech, and all about compassion. And if I hear another compassion uh, oh, sentence from them, I, I'm going to yawn my head off because they're not, he's not compassionate. And I don't think you can forget that within a family. You'd, they can't trust him, that's the other thing. Because if you tell them, if they tell him something as part of repairing the argument, he goes back and tells mm. Megan, then he comes out in social media. Yeah. And you can't trust somebody like that. You can't... Um, it's suddenly Omid Scobie gets to hear about it, doesn't he? Pardon? Suddenly Omid Scobie gets to hear about it, even though, uh, of course, he wasn't yeah. instructed in any way to talk on their behalf. I don't bother with him. I like <laughs> just thinking of Harry. Yes, no, I think you're absolutely right not to bother with him. Uh, absolutely correct. Angela, thank you as ever. We shall be watching very keenly tomorrow, as I'm sure you will be. Uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Angela Levin, their royal biographer. Uh, it's the big unveiling of the big uh, Diana statue tomorrow. William and Harry uh, will be doing that and we'll be bringing you that live, I think, uh, as it happens right here uh, on Talk Radio. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, uh, England have done it. They've finally beaten Germany in a competition uh, since 1966. That hasn't happened in a proper decent competition like the Eurozone in the quarterfinals they're going to play in Rome uh, coming up this Saturday you'll hear it live of course on TalkSport uh, lots of stuff to do between now and Saturday including uh, my belief that Boris Johnson should get off his uh, green chair his green leather sofa in the House of Commons and actually get onto UEFA and say look we're going to need some tickets because England are in the quarterfinals and we want our fans to be able to go to Rome to watch the game. Surely there must be some way of making that happen. Because after all, uh, if you weren't one of those people who was actually watching this last night or listening to it, here's Harry Kane uh, and how it all happened. Shaw's got it. Shaw from left back finds himself as a centre forward for a moment. Slips it to his left. Grealish, Kane, 2-0 England. And with five minutes to go... England have a two-goal lead, and in a tournament that is absolutely wide open, England can smell the finish line and a place in the quarterfinals. And indeed, the finish lines came up very, very soon, and the whole nation uh, was literally awash uh, with emotion. People were crying in the streets. People were throwing beers over each other. It was a great thing to see, actually. Uh, and it looked as though lockdown, for once, was no longer a thing. Let's talk now to Chad Thomas, England super fan. Um, I don't think he's going to Rome at the moment, but if I could get you a ticket, Chad, uh, would you make it over there? <laughs> no, I, I, you say no because, uh, realistically, if you do go to Rome to watch the game and get inside the stadium, I mean, it would be great, but legally... You're going to miss the semi-final now. You'd rather miss the quarter-final and send the semi in the final because we've got a really good draw against Ukraine and the semi-final against Denmark. Yes. yes. Well, you sound you sound like a very confident man, Chad. I mean, how uh, were you there last night? I was there last night. Yes. How, um, how hard was it to get a ticket for that? Oh no, it wasn't hard at all because uh, well, what happened last year is that uh, the England fan members we all had tickets anyway, but then we got a re so then. I think it was the start of the year. I got ref we got refunded okay. back and we had to repack the tickets. So pretty much a lot of the England fan members of part of the sports club did get tickets anyway. Right. So it was already in the bag. And with it being at Wembley and more people at Wembley for the knockouts this time, 
pretty much a lot, a lot of England fans were there and to enjoy the occasion and what occasion it was. Oh, it was incredible, um, wasn't it? I mean, because I mean, I've been to Wembley when there's been some pretty poor performances and it can be a very quiet place and a very yeah. gloomy sort of place when they're not playing particularly well. And the first half, yeah. it was a bit like that where you knew the crowd just wanted to cheer them on, but they were kind of sitting there going, <gasps> you know, this is all a bit yeah. same, no, same old, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I said it last night. I goes, uh, I'm from watching England for many, many years. You think to yourself, coming home from the early, early hours at Wembley, because I, I live up north, and you get home, you're like, oh, what, it's a pointless game. But last night, it was just worth it. I think all, all the games we've gone to, it just something like being there, finally yeah. beating the Germans in a knockout game at Wembley. It was just it was absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Now, you, I'm told, once isolated in Iceland for five days. What was that about? <laughs> well, what was that about? Well, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, well, it was pretty much the same situation as going to Rome now. You've had to travel to Iceland for the game. You had to Iceland for five days in the hotel room or wherever you put your accommodation. Right. And I did that. Uh, I didn't get in the stadium, though. I watched it by the fence. But the the view they got by the fence was just like being in the stadium itself. It was brilliant. But like, like I think you just summed up today. If you, if you travel to Rome now, you'd be isolated until Sunday. So there's, just, there's just been no point in doing it at all. And, and you're going to miss the semi-final when you travel back to the UK as well. Yeah. So well, unless take, of course, and, unless final. of course, um, you somehow um, Boris pulls a trick because in the end, you know, these UEFA officials are coming to the UK and not having to quarantine because they're UEFA officials. You know, I would have thought uh, if he if he if he leaned on them a little bit, you know, maybe you could get them to release some tickets and say, look, you get special status. Well, a lot of England fans were saying, why can't we have a bubble trip? Yeah. Like, just basically get to, to an airport Saturday morning, put us on a flight. Well, obviously, get all, get all tested before, put us on a flight, take us to the stadium, watch the game and come back. A yeah. lot of England fans would do that. And I, I know friends that would personally do that. They'd be more happy to do that, to watch the game. Yeah. Uh, I, I dare say there could be up to 500, maybe, maybe even more, that would be willing to do that, just do a bubble day trip yeah. into Rome and back for Sunday. Obviously, I'll get tested. Get tested when you get back to the UK. And then, if we win on Saturday, watch the semi-final on the next week, next Wednesday. Absolutely. And have you got tickets for that? Uh, yes, got tickets for the semi and the final. Yes. and okay. uh, Only thing we'll get there, though. Obviously, if, if England don't get there, then I don't have tickets. Obviously, we'll get through the, the, the supporters club. Yes. Right. And presumably, if England do make the final... You know what I—I th- I mean, there's going to be so-called. Four, I think forty thousand is the figure they've given out, or is it sixty thousand? Um, no, sixty thousand for the sixty thousand for the final. I mean, they could go even higher than that, maybe if it's England in the final, couldn't they? I think well, yeah. I, in fact, I don't see the difference between sixty thousand stadium and ninety thousand stadium. Right. Let's forget the final. Let's have a full house. Let and let, let's do it. I, I, I believe we can do it. We've got the, the winning the group and this side of the draw. Ukraine have a. Denmark or Czech Republic in the semi-final. And then if in the final, 90,000 in front of Wembley, it's, it's our advantage. It's the ball's in our court. Yeah. I was talking to um, a, a Times journalist a little bit earlier in the show and he reckoned it will be an, an Italy-England final. Do you think that's maybe possible? Maybe possible. Uh, Belgium, uh, I think whoever wins uh, the Italy-Belgium game, uh, the first quarter-final, will, will, get to, will, get, will get to the final. Obviously, don't rule Spain out as well because... Uh, they, they could be dark horses sometimes. Yeah, they look very good I in the mean, last it's, game. It's everybody's tournament, really. But I believe we will get to the final. Fingers crossed that, that we can get there. Yeah, it's been a great tournament, actually, hasn't it? There's been some terrific games. I mean, the Ukraine game last night, I don't know if you saw it after the England one, uh, was incredible. Yeah, well, we mean we, if friends travelling back for, oh, this is going to go to penalties, and then lo and behold, the last yeah. game of the Ukraine. But they were also hacking lumps out of each other, which I was quite pleased to see. Yeah, well, uh, well, I was happy that I was happy that it went to extra time because they played half an hour more and a little bit, a little bit more fresh. But 
we should be beating Ukraine on Saturday. Obviously, don't disrespect Ukraine because they're in the quarterfinals like us, but we should, I'm pretty confident we will win Saturday. Yes. Well, you look very confident, Chad, and so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to wish you all the best. But I'm still going to keep up my campaign. I'm going to try and get Boris to get some tickets and get some bubbles organised so that you guys can all go because it'd be great. Because otherwise, it seems a bit of an anticlimax, unfortunately. Especially if they don't win, because then you'll kick yourself and you go, "Well, that was the last game." Yeah, well, pretty much. But even even if there was an announcement on Friday evening, there's a bubble trip. I can guarantee people would be at that airport Saturday morning to, yeah. tra- to travel to. Right. Well, I'll, well, I'll keep I'll keep pressing them for it then, Chad. Good luck with it, man. Thank you very much indeed, Chad Thomas, uh, England super fan. He's been to more or less uh, practically every single England game. Not going to the one uh, on Saturday in Rome at the moment, purely and simply because it's not legal to do so. But surely there must be a way of creating bubbles. There must be a way of chartering a few jets and sending some fans to Rome. It's got to be done. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's go to Maggie, uh, who's in Dorset. Hello, Maggie. Hello, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Not at all. How, how can I help you? Well, I went to see my mother-in-law and my husband today in a home. My father-in-law died there from COVID last year. Mm. She's been double jabbed. She gets that awful test once a month. We've been double jabbed. We had to go this morning and have that awful test. Mm. And then when it's negative, we're allowed to go back. She's sitting out in the fresh air. We had to put an apron on, gloves on, a mask on and stay two metres and we've asked ourselves, what was the point? So um, the, I took them off. The manager came along. I couldn't see the point of a plastic apron yeah. in a garden, sitting on a wooden bench. It only covered my front. I'm not doing any clinical care. We weren't allowed near her. She said she could ask me to leave. I said, I'm leaving. I said, there's no need to wear masks in the fresh air. She said, well, we've kept COVID out of the home. We're only allowed to see her once a fortnight for half an hour. And I'm absolutely fuming. And when yeah. Boris Johnson said on, earlier on on your programme, it was so sad about the million people up and down the country. He's so glib when he says that. I know. There's no, there's no feeling at all. No. And I'm absolutely disgusted that there's no research into these masks. Sitting in the fresh air, she said, your mother-in-law's used to seeing people with masks on. I said, no one should be used to seeing people with masks no. on. Well, also, she wasn't used to seeing people with masks on uh, until this time last year, to be fair. Yeah. And, so, and also, when, when Boris goes banging on about the success of the vaccine programme, if you're not able to see your mother-in-law in the way that you want to, what's the point? Yeah, I, we, we just said, why do we have the test? Right. It was negative. Why do we have to sit in the fresh air? And there was only her, nobody else right. about. So I left. I'm, yeah. I'm just so angry that that this is how we're being treated yeah. and how she's being treated. It's absolutely shocking, Maggie. Listen, thank you for calling. We'll try our very best to keep fighting to make sure that these things do change because Maggie's story will be repeated up and down the country. These people running the care homes are under the impression that the vaccines don't work, presumably, uh, and that the testing might be wrong. Otherwise, why on earth would you have to wear protective clothing sitting outside? It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Talk Radio. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.